Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. Let's take a moment. I want to welcome all those in our Grovetown campus and our South Campus and also in our atrium. Let's, let's welcome them as they join us tonight. We're so glad to have you. How many of you traveled from out of town to get here tonight? Anybody traveling? Oh, yes, yes. Thank you so much. You know, Patty and I love to travel. And uh, this past year, we uh, marked 40 years of marriage. And we said, okay, let's go on vacation to mark this uh, milestone anniversary. So I said, Patty, where do you want to go? She said, well, I don't know. And so I put a, a map of the world up on the wall. And I said, okay, take this dart and throw it. And wherever it lands on that map, that's where we'll go. And so I gave her the dart. She went back and she threw it. And then I looked at her and said, you mean we've got to spend two weeks behind the refrigerator? (laughs) Yes. So whether you traveled across the river or across uh, the country, we're so glad to have you. I'll tell you, there's nothing like Christmas at the creek. And Christmas is truly the most wonderful time of the year. It's also the most beautiful time of the year. There's something about all the Christmas decorations and so forth that just uh, adds to the festivities of the season. Now, how many of you like to decorate your house and put uh, strings of Christmas lights up on your house or your apartment? Let me see your hands. Okay. All right. Now, there's another group, and I would fit in this group. How many of you really like to look at somebody else's decorations? Yes, that's me. I mean, I, I want to look, drive down your street and look at those beautiful lights. I'll tell you, that's something else. A, f- a few years ago, I received a postcard in the mail, and this postcard was offering a service where they would come to your house and they would decorate your house for Christmas. I thought, now that's kind of interesting. So I, uh, I called them up and they ca- uh, set up an appointment. And they came over and what? It was amazing what they do. And they just laid out, I mean, it was an incredible um, uh, service they provided. And then they gave me a quote, and it was an an incredible (laughs) service that they provided. (laughs) It was so incredible that I kind of backed off and said, no, not not this year. I looked at the quote, and it was about three times of what I was going to pay for Patty's Christmas gift. So I knew that was a no-go. So, But in my mind, I said, okay, I can do this. I can do it. I can decorate our house. I can string lights. I can do that. So I went to the store. It was a Monday. Got all the lights, all that stuff you needed. And Monday afternoon, I get out the two ladders and the string of lights, and I start uh, putting them up on the house. Now, this is harder than it looks and harder than you imagine, especially for me because the ladder was 17 feet tall. And it was heavy. And I am struggling to get this ladder uh, moved from uh, spot to spot. And I think people in the neighborhood recognized my struggle. To the point where there's a lady that came by. She's probably five foot two inches, probably 100 pounds. And she said, "Uh, would you like for me to help you with that ladder? I was kind of offended by that. (laughs) 
I just flat out lied to her. No, I don't need any help. That's a classic husband response. And your wife says, hey, can I help you? No, I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. And uh, I continued to work. Three and a half hours later, the sun is already down. Uh, The light, I'm just halfway done with the house. And I start thinking about that postcard. And I start thinking about that quote. I'm thinking, man, that was a bargain that I missed out on. You know, we hang lights because uh, during Christmas because it reminds us of the reason um, we celebrate Christmas, that God sent Jesus as the light of the world. Throughout this month, we've been in a series here at Stevens Creek called The Story of Christmas, and we boiled the Christmas story down to really one sentence. The story of Christmas is the story of God's love for us, his plan for us, and his eternal desire to be with us. That's the story of Christmas. But tonight, we're going to open up the pages of the Bible, and we're going to go to the New Testament, and we're going to read the Christmas story from Luke's perspective in Luke chapter 2. It said, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, let's pause just for a moment, and let's just try to think about what was going on in the world at that point. This was tax season, okay? It was tax season, and Joseph and Mary had to travel uh, from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem to go to Joseph's hometown to pay taxes, and tax season's stressful, and to add traveling to it. I mean, none of us like that. Nobody enjoys going through all the old receipts and uh, all the uh, crunching all the numbers. Nobody enjoys filling out all those tax forms. But you know what you do enjoy? You do enjoy when you get that tax refund check, don't you? There's something about getting a tax refund check. It's, it's like Christmas, the day that happens. A few weeks ago, I went to the mailbox and I pulled out an envelope, and I, I noticed the return address was the state of Georgia. And I thought, my goodness, we're getting our tax refund check. And I got it out of there, and I didn't want to open it out in the yard. So I, I, I was walking back to the house, and I'm thinking, man, what are we going to spend this on? I'm just trying to think, what can we spend? Where, where do we need to go? What do we need to buy? And I'm just thinking about, this is like, free money that I'm going to have this in. And so I go inside, I open up the check and I brought it. Here it is. Three cent. (laughs) The state of Georgia sent me three pennies for my tax refund. That's a real check. I mean, it costs more than three pennies to have somebody to print this off and mail it to me. (sighs) The government... Taxes can be stressful. In those days, in, uh, uh, in addition to the burden of the taxes, Mary was in the final stages of her pregnancy. And I'm sure she was at this stage where she just couldn't get comfortable. 
I mean, walking hurts, standing hurts, sitting hurts. You know, she's rolling, uh, she's moving around, trying to get comfortable, eating hurts, I, breathing probably hurts. And at this point in her pregnancy, she's traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey. That's like a hundred miles. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the streets were crowded because there's other people that were from there that had to go back home to pay their taxes. So the streets were crowded. They, they need somewhere to stay and they go to the innkeeper and there is no room for them or no place for them to stay. We pick it up next verse. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. There was no room. Now, Mary gave birth in this stable. Jesus was placed in a manger. But this stable and manger did not look like the one you ordered off Amazon this year. Didn't look like the nativity set from Walmart but it was actually like a cave. It, on the side of a hill, they, they would hewn out this space or this, this small cave, and, and you would see it was big enough for a few small animals. And in this cave, during the most stressful time of Joseph and Mary's life, Jesus was born. Verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I mean, these guys, they showed up at work thinking it was just another day. They punched their time card thinking it was just another night under the stars. And then in the midst of this darkness, this light appears, and this angel shows up. And they are literally shaking in their shoes. And the angel said to them, verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today, today in the town of David, a savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. So the shepherds hurried off to find Joseph and Mary and Jesus, the baby, lying in a manger. And we look in the, that manger and we say, this is Jesus, but who is Jesus? Throughout the Bible, we see various titles and, uh, that it help to um, explain who Jesus is and what he came to do. First of all, we know that Jesus is the Savior. His very name means God saves it speaks of the fact that God entered into human, the human race on a rescue mission from heaven. That's why the angel said to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is the Savior. The second thing we know is Jesus is the Christ. Jesus Christ, we, we say that often, and in the very natural, we think, okay, Jesus is his first name, and, and his family name must be Christ, so it's Jesus, first name, second name, Christ, but that's not it. Christ was a title. In the 
actual Hebrew, it meant the anointed one. In the Old Testament, when uh, prophet and priest and kings would enter into service for God, they would anoint them. This is like our heavenly father anointing Jesus to be, uh, to bring salvation to the world and deliverance for Israel. So Jesus is the Christ. The third thing is Jesus is God's only son. In the old, in the King James version of the Bible in John 3, 16, it said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only begotten son, which means his one and only son. He is one of a kind. There's nobody else like him. He is God, the son. And finally, we see that Jesus is the Lord. Now, this title really helps us to understand um, our relationship with him. He is the Lord. To call Jesus Lord means that he is sovereign over our lives. You are our Lord. You are sovereign. To be sovereign means that God is in control. And I need to hear that. I need to be reminded during Christmas time that God is in control. I need to be reminded because it seems that in my life that things are moving so fast and they're moving so fast and and it's like everything's out of control. I mean, just think about it. That, That toddler that you're holding in your arms, you blink and before you know it, that toddler's in fifth grade. Then you blink, and that that toddler is a senior about to enter this last semester of high school. I mean, time moves so quickly. You know what I'm talking about? Well, maybe this will help you understand what I'm talking about. How many of you in Grovetown, the South Campus, how many of you were born in the 1990s or earlier? Let me see your hands. Okay. You're born in the 1990s or earlier. You're about to really feel old. You know, people born in 2000 and graduated college this year. Mm. But anyway, the 1990s are earlier. Okay, there are some things kids that were born in the 2000s will never experience that those of us born in the 1990s or earlier, we have fully experienced in those. For instance, kids born in the 2000s or later will never experience this particular sound. Do you recognize that sound? That's not the emergency broadcast system. That's what it's like when you used to get on the internet. You had to plug a a cord into the computer, a phone cord into the computer. Then you had to dial in. You had to wait for it. I mean, kids today, they think the internet's just always been there. It's like air. You just breathe in. There's the internet. But it's not that at all. And if you're born in the 1990s or early, you know that. But here's something else that kids born in the 2000s will never experience like those born in the 1990s or earlier. And that is, you remember what a blockbuster (laughs) 
membership card is. A blockbuster. Have you ever seen one of the kids? Listen to me. Kids, this is what you did on a Friday night. On a Friday night, you said, let's go watch, let's go get a movie. For you to watch a movie meant you got in the car and you drove down Washington Road at Columbia Road and you went into a store and you went there to get a movie and a movie was on a videotape, <laughs> a videotape. And you would take that movie and you would go home and put it in your VCR, your video cassette recorder. That's what you did. And then you hope that somebody rewound it because, I mean, Blockbuster said, please be kind and exactly. And so kids born in 2000, they will never know the joy of Blockbuster video. Things are always changing. What is visible in one generation is invisible in another generation. But there is one thing that remains constant, and that is Jesus. And as you move into the days and weeks ahead, as you move into 2023, I want you to remember this. In a world where everything is changing, Jesus remains the same. Jesus remains the same. That's the message of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So when you go through your darkest seasons, I want you to remember the message of Christmas that God is with you. He is in control. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 1. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not God above us, not God beside us, but God with us. And when we surrender our lives to him, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, he leads you, he guides you, he protects you, and he saves you. Saves you. You hear that word save, and you think, okay, what does that exactly mean? Is somebody drowning? Well, no, not necessarily. The word save is a synonym that that means uh, to be rescued, to be delivered, to be set free. That's what it means to be saved. Rescued, delivered, set free. You're saved from your past. You see, all of us, all of us have sinned and all of us have have made mistakes. And when we're saved, he erases that. He forgives us of our mistakes. We're saved from our sins, our mistakes. We're saved from our guilt and shame and bitterness. To save people from their sin. Well, what is sin? I think most all of us have a list of what we consider sin. You know, we all have our list. I mean, for a long time, I had a list. You know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, uh, don't chew or run with girls that do. (laughs) You know... Sin is so much more than a list. It's just more than a list. It's not always something that you do. Sin is not something always that you do. It's an attitude. It is an attitude. Um, It is believing that you don't need God in your life. It's believing that 
You can manage your life on your own just fine. That you don't need a power that is greater than yourself. You don't need Jesus in your life. If you ever prayed a prayer and you felt like it was bouncing off the ceiling, maybe it was. Maybe it was because there's a sin that separates you from God. There's a separation. That's why Jesus came to save you, to save you from your past. But not only that, he came to save you for something. You're saved for a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. Yes, you are made by God and you are made for God and you are put on this earth for his purposes. And until you understand that, your life is not going to make sense. You were created for a relationship with God. In fact, God has placed this longing in your soul for something more. You think, there's just got to be more to this life. There's just got to be more than, than what I'm experiencing. You know, that longing has been placed in there by God. It's like that there's this hole in your heart or maybe this spiritual void there that is only made for a relationship with Jesus. We try to put other things in there and it doesn't work. It doesn't satisfy the jobs and the experiences and all of that. We try to put it in there, but it just doesn't work because it's not made. You are made for more. You're made to be a part of his family, to live in his purpose. So you're saved for a purpose and the more you get to know God, the more you're gonna understand your purpose. Here's the third thing. You're saved by grace. Now, grace is that unmerited gift, that unmerited favor. You don't earn it or or deserve it. Grace is like a gift that God gives you, the gift of salvation. We deserve to be punished, but God, instead of punishing us, blesses us. It's a gift. But let me explain it this way. Anybody that has received a gift understands that a gift is much different than a loan. A gift is much different than a loan. A loan requires that you repay that loan. You take a book out of the library and that book is on loan from the library. You've got to return that back to the library. This week, many of you are going to be given gifts. But when you give a gift, it is free to the recipient. But you know that it costs you something. A gift is free to the recipient, but somebody had to pay for it. The gift of salvation is free for you. It's free for me. It's free for all of us sinners. But somebody had to pay for that gift. Jesus came to this earth to save us, and the way he saved us is by giving his life on a cross to die in our place. Somebody had to pay for our sin, and Jesus said, I will do that. And through his grace, he did that. Here's the point. Jesus was born so that you and I can be born again. That's the reason behind Christmas. His grace, we didn't earn it, we we didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us. But not only did he give us grace, but he extended mercy to us. What's mercy? Mercy is when we deserve to be punished, But God, instead of punishing us, gives us a second chance. That's mercy. He extends a second chance 
And maybe that's what you need today. You need a second chance. You need mercy tonight. Yes, you own it. You've, yeah, you've blown it. You've messed up. You deserve the punishment that comes with your action. But God, at Christmas, extends mercy to you, a second chance. Because along the way, you've wandered off the path. And you've gone down the, uh, the wrong road. And you're lost. You know, the, one of the most dangerous ways to live in this world is to be lost and not realize that you're lost. I want to tell you a story about a man who was lost, but he did not realize he was lost. He didn't realize he was lost because on the outside, everything looked pretty good. He was faithful to his wife. He was faithful at work. He worked hard. In fact, he would often work double shifts, and he would work weekends because he would say, I am working so my kids can have a better life than I had. You would see him in the community because he volunteered in the community. He was a member of a number of civic organizations. This man even attended church, and he called himself a Christian. He had bought into the cultural myth that Christianity is a set of behaviors. He believed that Christianity was there to help make people act better. But that's not the case. You see, the aim of Christianity is not to make bad people good. The aim of Christianity is to make dead people come alive. Now, this man eventually had an encounter with God one day at his church when a group of students from Lee University was visiting. And it was during this service that he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and made Jesus the leader and the Lord of his life. His life was changed. That moment changed his life forever. Instead of being a cultural Christian, he became a born-again follower, and the rest of his life was lived with this new passion for the Lord. I know this story is true because I was able to witness it firsthand. I had a front row seat because the man in this story is my dad. And my dad was a hero of mine and one of my best friends. And he passed away earlier this year, in fact, six months from tomorrow. And this will be the first Christmas of my life that I am spending without him. I was thinking about that. Think about it. 61 Christmases I've been with my dad. But when we sit around the table this weekend, there'll be an empty chair. Some of you know the feeling of an empty chair around your table. Because you have been and you have walked the steps where I am now walking. And I have learned God's word in a unique way where God says, I am, where the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. 
And for those of you that are sitting around a table and there's an empty chair at the table, to you, I want to say this Christmas that I'll join with you and we'll grieve together. And we know that God is close to us because he's close to those who are brokenhearted. Even though I grieve, I rejoice. I rejoice because I know where he is. My dad is with Jesus. My dad is in heaven, which means there is no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more dying. He is with his Lord and Savior. And I want to be there with him one day. I want to go to heaven one day, and I want you to go to heaven too. I want you to go to heaven. But maybe you're like my dad. My dad was a good person. And maybe you are a good person and you take care of your family and you work hard and you're a good citizen. And all of that is commendable. But that's not how you get into heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He came to this earth on a rescue mission for you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to surrender your life to him. I'll never forget that moment. I was in that service and I saw my dad get up and it was a small little church, but he literally, and I hadn't seen him do this before, he literally ran to the front of that church and knelt in uh, at that altar and sobbed. He cried out to God and God had mercy on him. Some of you are here today and you're wondering if God would have mercy on you. And I'd say, yes, he does. That's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is a message of mercy. So I don't know what your situation or your difficulty, but God's got mercy for you. You may be broken. You may be lost trying to find your way. You may be a prodigal. Hear me. I've got good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. The message of Christmas is for everyone. It's for the Jewish folks and the Muslims and the Hindus. It's for those folks that are white and black and Hispanic and Asian. The message of Christmas is those that are single and those that are married and those that are divorced. It is for those who are left-wing liberals and right-wing conservatives and those people who try to walk down the middle ground politically. It's for those that are 18 and those that are 80. What is it? It's no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter how dark your life is, you can call on Jesus and you can be saved. Amen. This Christmas, there is mercy for you. Time in the last pew where I sit every Christmas Eve. 
the message of Christmas, that there is mercy for someone like you and someone like me. This is more than a Christmas Eve service for some of you. This is an opportunity for your life to be changed. This is a moment where your life can be redirected 
and you can be restored and you can be saved and you can be set free. In a few minutes, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna pray over all of us here. But during that prayer, there will be one section of it where I'm gonna ask you if you would like to be saved. If you would like for Jesus to be the leader of your life. And I'm telling you that one decision to pray that prayer, it changes the game, it changes everything. And I realize some of you feel that you are so broken that there's no hope. And some of you feel that you're like Humpty Dumpty that all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put you back together again. But one touch from the Lord can change your life forever. One touch. And so I'm just wanting you to be open. To open to receive what God has for you. And maybe that's just your prayer, God, I receive what you have for me. Maybe that's the only, the most important prayer that you can pray. But this service, we're going to conclude in just a few minutes, but this is a holy moment here. And so I just want you just to be open for that conversation with the Lord. So let's just bow our heads together and let's just pray. No one looking around. Father, in the name of Jesus, I first of all want to pray for this congregation. Here at the Augusta campus, our congregation at South, our congregation in Grovetown, the folks in the atrium, the folks watching online, Jesus, move upon us today. I pray, God, that you would bring peace to families across our congregation. God, those families that are struggling, maybe they're struggling with sickness and disease. Maybe they're suffering through a season of grief. God, you said you would be close to the brokenhearted, and I ask right now that you would lay your hand of peace upon them and heal the broken hearts in this room. Jesus, I pray that you would touch families and specifically marriages. God, that this would be a time where, Lord, they would be brought closer together. And now, Father, I pray for those that have, are ready to make a decision, ready to take a spiritual step, ready to pray a prayer of salvation. If that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer and just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give you my life. I give you my past. Say that, God, I give you my past, all of it. And I trust you with my future. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Lead me and guide me. And fill me with your spirit. 
I receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. With your head still bowed, no one looking around, how many of you would put up your hand and say, Marty, I just prayed that prayer with you. Let me see your hands across this room. Yes, yes. Grovetown, South Campus, yes. Amen. You can put them down. You can all look up. If you prayed that prayer, we want to help you take your next step spiritually. And one easy way to do this, you can text the word DECIDED to 706-222-7123. And that'll lead you through a series of prompts that'll help you get connected and grow spiritually. Or maybe you can just stop out into the lobby and um, at uh, the information center in the lobby, or maybe even meet one of the pastors uh, at the stage. We want to help you in this process. We believe that there are better days ahead for you. Say one more thing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for coming to Grovetown and South Campus. Patty and I just are just honored. We're honored that you'd show up to celebrate Christmas with us. And we just want to say thank you so very much. And it's, it's our sincere prayer that God blesses you and that this is a tremendous week for you. And very sincerely want to say Merry Christmas. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.